In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, there are these letters that are written to seven different churches. And we've been asking practically, what does that mean for us? And how can we learn as not just a church body, but as individuals? How can we grow and how can we change? And we're going to finish that up today by looking at this church in Laodicea. And this is the most hard-hitting letter. A lot of these letters, most of these letters have started with a compliment and then it rotates into something that you're not doing well. Jesus has nothing good to say about this church. They're not doing anything right. And we're going to discover that of all of the seven churches, this is probably the one that we can get tempted to move into the easiest, both as a church and as individuals. And we have to be careful that we don't slide the way of this church and we have to be active in not sliding if we just kind of pick up our feet we will end up like this church in Laodicea but if we can stay firm and stay consistent and stay solid we can move in a different direction and so if you want to follow along this morning we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3 we're going to start in verse number 14 but Laodicea if you looked at a map later on you could google it or even during the service if you want to you can search up the seven letters to different churches and just click on images and you see these little seven churches are kind of in this little loop Laodicea was this the last one that would kind of get to the mail truck. They would be the, the last one. But they're in a really important area. They're a, a huge city because it's at some crossroads. Some really important trade routes went through Laodicea. And so it's a, it's a thriving city. It's a happening city. This city is incredibly, incredibly wealthy. They have so much money. They have huge storehouses of gold. There was not too long before this letter to this church was written, there was an earthquake that totally leveled the whole city and Rome came in and said hey we can help you rebuild and the Laodiceans say no we don't need your help we've got this we have enough money in and of ourselves we don't need anybody else's help it was really famous for the the textiles that it would have they had in this area you can again look it up for yourself later they have these black sheep and they would have these wonderful uh, coats and garments and rugs that would be made from these black sheep and they would get sent all over the known world they were famous for this trade and the last thing and you're going to see it here in a second jesus speaks directly to this they're famous for their medical knowledge they had a medical school there and they had invented this salve that again they would ship all over the world they invented it and the idea was that you could put this salve on your eyes and it would help the blind not be blind anymore and so the church is here in this town and Jesus looks at this church and says you're not it you're you're you're, you're really struggling but Jesus shows them the way that they can rebound and become the church that he's called them to be and so here's where we're at today and hopefully again this this letter ends the same way that every other letter ends and he says man for those that have ears to hear let them hear what the spirit of god says to the churches and that's been my prayer for us as a church every week that if we have ears to hear as individuals and as a as a church body that we would hear and not just hear but but move in a direction so starting in verse number 14 the words are going to be appear on the screen if you want or if you have a printed bible it says this to the angel of the church in Laodicea, 
I'm, I'm on the wrong one. To the, the, the wor- these are the words, uh, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. Now, a lot of times he says, I know your deeds, and he's applauding it. Hey, I know your deeds. I know the things that you're doing. Not so here. You can kind of hear it in the tone. I know your deeds. Like you, you've, you've, you've had to get your kids in trouble, and they thought they were sneaky, and they thought they were hiding some something, and you came along and you said, I know the real deal. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Time out right there. The word spit, he literally means to vomit. Like, in other words, he's saying to this church, you're making me sick. And that's pretty strong language. You make me sick. Now, a lot of people will look at that hot and cold, and they would say, well, the hot is good and cold is bad. And they say, yeah, if you're just like hot and on fire for God, that's really good. But if you're cold and distant, that's not what he's talking about at all. Hot things are good. Cold things are good. It's the lukewarm things that are bad. For example, hot coffee. Delicious. I love hot coffee on a cold day. Cold ice cream. How many of you know this morning? Cold ice cream is delicious. I love ice cream. I was having a bowl of ice cream just the other day, and my daughter Bella, in her beautiful way, says, you're having a bowl again tonight? And I said, first of all, I am. Thank you very much, because it was my money that bought it. Don't judge me. I love ice cream. But you take that same, and I'm kind of famous for this. Anybody else with me finishing half a cup of coffee? Anybody in that, in the, you, you leave some coffee kind of around? And I'm famous for, I'll drink part of the coffee, and then I'll go warm it up in the microwave, any microwave coffee warmers in the house. And then, and I don't even know how it happens. It's got to be the ADD. I will, in the 25 seconds that it takes me to warm up that cup of coffee, I'll forget that I was interested in a cup of coffee. And I'll totally forget that cup until the next day when I go to warm up a cup of coffee and I see yesterday's cup of coffee in the microwave. How do I forget that I was thirsty for coffee in 25 seconds? I don't know, but it's what I do. But when I, I sometimes have this, I have, and again, I know none of you can relate to this. I'm just talking about me, just a little therapy. Sometimes on my desk, I'll have multiple cups of coffee. I like to live dangerously. Some are from two days ago, some are from three days ago, some are from today. And I have on occasion been known to grab the wrong cup of coffee that at one time was delicious and hot and beautiful and drank it. And guess what I did? I spit it out of my mouth. I said, this is not the way that it was supposed to be. Bowl of ice cream, beautiful, cold. But take that same bowl of ice cream and just try this later on if you want to. Leave it out on the counter overnight. And then tomorrow morning, go enjoy that bowl of ice cream. It's just not going to be quite the same. And what Jesus is saying, man, hot things are great and, and cold things are wonderful. But when they're just left to their own devices, when, when, when you kind of find that middle where it's just kind of lukewarm, it's, it's gross. And so the title of my message today is, Don't Be Gross. 
Don't be gross. And so the question that you have to ask yourself, the question that we're going to see here in this next verse is what caused that? What, what has happened to this church that has made God sick? What has made it so that God says, I am, I am so disgusted with you, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth? Well, we find the answer in verse number 17, where he says this. You say, he quotes them back to them. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and there's the line, I don't need a thing. In other words, this church is just like we are. This church has decided, I am enough in myself. I have what I have because I worked hard. And I have what I have because I did the right things. And I have what I have because I pulled myself up by the bootstraps and I really sacrificed and gave. And the reason that I am the way that I am is because of me. They are self-sufficient. And in our society today, right, we, we applaud that. We applaud people that are self-sufficient. We applaud people that are self-made. It is a badge of honor when people say, man, I am a self-made man. I, I came from nothing, and now here I am. I started a business, and I have employees, and I'm changing my family's trajectory, and it's because I worked hard. And there is part of that that, man, we, we applaud but the problem is not in so much the self-sufficiency and working hard. I'm not advocating that you don't. But that can so easily creep into our spiritual life. And we can say, God, I, I need you, sure, for the forgiveness of my sin, yeah. But the rest of my life, I'm sufficient. The rest of my life, I'm fine. I don't really need you in other ways, because look at the degrees that I have, and look at the 401k that I've built up, and look at the business that I have, and God, we're, I'm just like that church that I have all that I need. And you would say, yes, I, I believe in God. I just don't count on God for my day in and day out life. And there is a big difference. Believing in God is not the same thing as relying on God. And the thing that made God sick about this church and the same thing that will make God sick about my life and your life is that we believe in him but we don't rely on him we believe in him but we just don't count on him yeah I believe in God and I need God for entry into the next life whatever that's going to look like but man when it comes to my career when it comes to my marriage when it comes to my family when it comes to my money when it comes to all these other areas I don't need you I I am sufficient in and of myself and Jesus says that's gross that attitude that concept of self-sufficiency so easily develops into self-righteousness and it makes Jesus sick. He continues that same sentence and he says, you say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I don't, I don't need a thing. But from my perspective, and Jesus is looking at this church and he says, let me, let me tell you what the truth is. You remember that I am the amen, like I'm the final say and all of creation is under my umbrella, that I am the one who is the real judge and the faithful witness, he called himself. Like I can tell you exactly how it's supposed to be. Let me tell you what your life looks like from my perspective. You do not realize that you are wretched, that you're pitiful, that you are poor, that you're blind, and that you're naked. 
that you think you have it all together because of how much money is in the bank and how much gold you have and all the things that is just about me and look at how good of a job I've done. But from my perspective and from the perspective of eternity, you are in terrible shape. You, you think you're rich because of all the gold you have? You're spiritually, you're just broke. And you think you, you, you export all of this beautiful textiles and all these beautiful black wool clothings all over the world, and you think that that's something and that matters to me, but from my perspective, you're, you're spiritually naked, and you think that you've developed this beautiful ISAV and you've shipped it all over the world, this medical breakthrough, but you're spiritually, spiritually blind. That what you see and what I see are totally different. And when I see you and all of your self-sufficiency and all the I'm, God, I'm enough in and of myself, I don't really need God, it makes me want to puke. It just is so gross. And, and here's what we eventually discover. And maybe you've discovered this for yourself. At some point, we all inevitably will. You've certainly known some people that have discovered this, is that being self-sufficient only works while life is working. That being self-sufficient only works when life is working. Because, and there's, there's, it's just every single person. When life falls apart, we discover what God has known all along. That the things that I thought were important aren't that important. And when the life falls apart and the life that I have built and worked so hard for and went to extra school for and climbed up the corporate ladder for, the things that I really strive for, when life falls apart, those things that I was relying on, they're not that reliable after all. That's why we see so many times people that are powerful and people that are influential and people that from the outside seems like they have it all together. When, when life falls apart, they... They start to pray. They say, God, help. Life has fallen apart. And I've got money, but the money, it can't buy, me away, buy my way out of this. And the doctor said this, and he said there's no cure, and my marriage is falling apart, and all the things that I've relied on all of a sudden aren't very reliable anymore. What, and in the moment, I felt so self-sufficient. When life kind of, when the bottom drops out, I discover what Jesus knew all along it's not enough. It can't sustain. It can't take me where I need it to go. And so we, we look at what the, the, the church in Laodicea, their, their perspective and their attitude was, I have, because of me, everything I need. I don't need God. I don't need faith. I am sufficient in myself. And then we contrast that to the psalmist David. One of the most famous lines in the whole Bible, and I love this, the way the translation puts it, the Lord is my shepherd, and because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. This church said, I, I don't need a thing because I've got the wealth, and I've got the influence, and I've got the power, and we're really smart, and Jesus says, that makes me sick. And here's David, just this little shepherd, and he says, well, the Lord is my shepherd, and because of who I rely on, I have everything that I need. This famous quote that's attributed to Corey Ten Boom, she was a Holocaust survivor, you probably know, and she said this, you may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And from, from if if this was said by, you know, some rich guy and some person that never had any bumps, she's like, ah, that's okay, but 
If this was said by a Holocaust survivor, a person that had everything stripped away, a person who endured things that we can't even imagine and things that we can't even comprehend, here's what she discovered. When everything else was taken away, Jesus was still there and Jesus was enough. Jesus was sufficient. And so what do we do? Well, Jesus doesn't give up on the church. He says, you, you, you think you've got it? Here's what you should do. I counsel you to buy from me. Remember how, remember how much gold they had? Remember how rich they were? He said, it doesn't matter. I wanna counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. Jesus, in his most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, said, store up your treasures, not on earth, but in heaven, where moths and rust and thieves can't destroy, that where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. And this is what he's saying. He's saying the, the riches that you count on are only gonna take you so far. Get to the riches of who I am. De uh, in, invest in me, invest in a relationship with me because gold is fine and, and it's, there's nothing wrong with being rich as long as we don't worship that. And these guys had decided to worship that. He says, yeah, be rich, it's great. It's just where is your sufficiency at? So buy from me gold so that you can become rich. And remember those clothes that you're so famous for shipping all over the world? Well, you're kind of using that as because I have this, then, then I'm, I'm righteous and God must be so proud of me. He says, no, buy from me white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. You, you think you're like this fashion capital? No. From my perspective, you're, you're naked. And, and so are we, by the way. When we try to cover ourselves, when we try to impress God with how good I am and all the things that I've done, we're just naked. Isaiah chapter, I think it's 64, says that all of my righteous works are like filthy rags from God's perspective. That's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, yeah, you're, you're dressed beautifully, but it's gonna fade. It's, you're spiritually naked. And then, yeah, you, you've got that salve that you slip all over the world, but you're spiritually blind. You, you can't see the way that I see. And so I counsel you to buy from me salve to put on your eyes because I want you to see the way that I see. You're blind to your spiritual condition. You're going along like everything is fine, but if you'll just see yourself with the eyes of Christ, you would realize that you are so far from where I want you to be. You're in bad shape. And then, man, we think, ah, Jesus, it's kind of harsh. I mean, it seems kind of rude for you to just be so like in their face. And I kind of like the Jesus that's more friendly I kind of like the Jesus that's a little bit more warm. I like the Jesus that, you know, Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt. That's the Jesus that I kind of prefer. Where's that? Where's that Jesus at? Where's the cuddly Jesus? But here, here Jesus, assuming that he knows the way that we think, he says, you think that I'm, you know, kind of being, being hard, but those that I rebuke and discipline, they're, they're the ones that I love. And so the reason that I'm coming hard against this church and the reason that sometimes God will come hard against us isn't so that he can show us how bad we are. It's because he really loves us. And it is his love that says, I love you so much, I'm willing to cause some pain and some discomfort so that you can change the way that you're headed. Every good parent does this. If you're a parent, if you've ever been a parent, the most loving thing you can do is to discipline and train your children. 
because you can see further than they can see. You can see some things that they can't see. And because you love them, you're willing to cause some short-term frustration. You're willing to cause some short-term pain for their benefit. Our Heavenly Father does the same thing. I love you. You're making me sick. You should change. I want you to have all the things that I have available to you, but you can't have those while you're so self-sufficient. I love you. You should repent. I love you. You should change. Proverbs said it this way, that wounds from a friend can be trusted, but it's the enemies that multiply their kisses towards us. Jesus has a plan for our life. He loves us, and in his love, he says, you're going the wrong way. You've got the wrong attitude. You've slipped into self-sufficiency. And then we said it this way. One, one of the, again, famous verses in Scripture, verse number 20. Here I am. He doesn't just leave us in that state. This is how much God loves us. That you went away from me, I never went away from you. And this is the root of the problem. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The root of the church in Laodicea, the root of their issue was that Jesus was just on the wrong side of the door. That's where the issue is, is that Jesus had gotten ushered out of the room, is that Jesus was on the outside looking in. And so the cure for that is to open the door back to Jesus. The same is true in our life. The cure to complacency is closeness every single time. That it is impossible to be close to Jesus and complacent with Jesus at the same time. That it is impossible to be close to Jesus and callous to Jesus at the same time. But in the busyness of our life and in all the things that we've gotten going on, it can be so easy that we just open the door and usher Jesus out and close the door and say, I've got my own life that I have got to live. Complacency, it isn't a light switch that just here and there, it's, it's just slowly over time. I, I had uh, Joy and, and then bring me this cup of coffee. I love, I love hot coffee, but you know, left to its own devices, this coffee, it's gonna cool down. It's already started to cool down. When it first came out of the thing, it was too hot. I couldn't, I couldn't drink it. But just left to its own devices, this thing is going to cool down. And it's going to get pretty gross pretty soon. The same, I I had them bring me a little, this is a cup of ice, you can't see it. It's just a cup of ice. Well, left to its own devices, this ice is going to melt. And if we left this ice right here, when you come back next week, that ice is going to be no longer ice. It's going to be just kind of tepid, lukewarm, pretty gross water. Try as this ice may, and try as hard as this coffee wants to try, it cannot in and of itself stay hot. It's not possible. It does not have the power in itself to stay hot. This ice does not have in and of itself the power 
to stay cold. Try as it might, and even if it wants to, it cannot. It has to be close to the source. In order for this ice to stay ice, it has to stay in the freezer. There's an outside force causing this ice to stay cold. For this coffee to stay hot, we've got those warmers out there. As long as this coffee was on that warmer, it's gonna stay hot. As long as it was close, you take that coffee away from that warmer, try as it might, it's gonna start to cool down. The source is what brings the heat, the source is what brings the cool. In your life, you cannot, I cannot, try as I might, stay close in my relationship with Jesus if Jesus is not close to me. I have to stay near the source. I've gotta stay close to him. You and I, try as we might, as hard as we want to, we were not designed to be able to keep that passion for Jesus alive in and of ourselves. We need to stay close to Jesus. We were designed for relationship with the Father. And so when I put this ice back in the freezer, even if it's melted, guess what'll happen? Well, over time, eventually, ice, ice baby, come on. Uh, some of you got my vanilla ice joke, and you're welcome for that. You put that, and good things start to happen. Put this coffee back on the warmer, it's gonna start to get hot. It's just how close is it to the source? And you coming to church once a week is, is wonderful, but it's not enough keeping power. It's not enough keeping power. You've gotta stay close to Jesus on Monday and stay close to Jesus on Tuesday. And we'll do our best on Sundays to get you close to the source and get you heated up or get you cooled down but it just can't last during the week. Even if I put this in, a, in one of those high-dollar Yeti coolers, I mean, it's gonna keep it hot for a while, but eventually, even the Yeti cooler is gonna, it's gonna cool down. That's not what it was designed to do. You have to stay. I have to stay close to the source, or we'll end up like that church in Laodicea. Just gross, just lukewarm because we've just drifted away from where Jesus is. And so three questions as we end today's gathering. Number one, will you let Jesus in? Not just for salvation, and yes, please let Jesus in for salvation. That Jesus opens the door to a relationship with God, and we walk in that. And so yes, open the door to Jesus for salvation, but what about the other rooms of your life? Have you let Jesus in the room of your money, and the room of your marriage, and the room of your kids and the room of your career and all these other areas of your life, have you, have you let Jesus in or does, is Jesus just kind of confined to the living room? Where you had Jesus come in the front door and you know, fix my eternal problem of separation from God, but the other rooms, they're, they're not for you, those are for me, I'm sufficient in myself. Or we get caught into that room is really dirty and my past is pretty gross, and I've done some things, and so Jesus, you don't really wanna get into that room because I need to clean it up first. I need to do some work on this, and Jesus just, just stands at that door, and he just knocks, and he says, I, I just wanna be where you are. I just want to get involved in every area of your life because I love you, I've got a good plan for you, but I can't help you get there if I'm on the wrong side of the door. Will you let Jesus in? And then maybe a little bit deeper, where have you shut Jesus out? Where in your life, if you're just honest, 
have you been ignoring his knocking? That you know, you don't, you don't need a preacher to tell you this. You've kind of even heard it a little bit. And you have allowed yourself, like I have allowed myself, I just let the busyness of my life drown out Jesus. I know that he wants involved in that, I just don't want him to. And so I try to get busy, or I try to say, no, I don't want, I just ignore it. I, I've been trying to drown that out, and Jesus is just there. Let me in, let me in, let me. Is there areas of your life, if you're just honest, and you don't need me to tell you, because if you're here this morning, there's probably, you probably already know where that is. Jesus wants to come in. Not come in like a SWAT team and, and bust down the door and say, surrender. just, would you open the door? Would you let me in? Would you invite, I'm, I'm not gonna bust it down. I'm not gonna force my way into your life. I'm not gonna force my way into your marriage. I'm not gonna force my way into your career. But if you'll let me in, if you'll just open that door, I promise, it might hurt a little bit, but it's for your good. You'll be better off. And then, here's the third one, just practically. How can you remain close to Jesus this week? I, I, thank you for being in church today. So grateful you're here. Thank you for watching online, those that are watching online. Thank you. But what about tomorrow? Because when you leave here, it's like taking this ice out of the freezer. You've got to get close to Jesus. We do this thing, we've just done it the last couple of weeks, just in an effort to help you stay close to Jesus because I know you're busy. I mean, Christmas is coming, you've got presents to wrap, you've got gifts to buy, you've got places to go and parties to it. You have got a busy life and you, you are probably not sinning your way away from Jesus. You're just not that actively being close to Jesus. And so how can you stay close? We do this thing, it'll get posted again tomorrow morning where we just give you a, a seven-day prayer guide. You can go on to our Facebook page tomorrow morning at about 6 a.m. It'll get posted. It's a seven-day prayer guide. It'll take you about three or five minutes. You can get a little scripture, a little reflection, a little prayer. It's just a way. It's not the only way, but it's a way for you to stay connected to a source. I love nothing more than the YouVersion Bible app. I have a little widget on my phone. If I swipe this way, it just gives me the verse of the day, and then I click on that, and there's that verse of the day. And then what's really great is you can have a whole devotional. If you'll spend about five minutes, seven minutes, somebody will share a quick word and a quick encouragement. That's available for you for free every single day. What if you, here, here's just a really practical, really simple one for, that, that all of you could do. Here's something you could do for the next seven days is that you just make the decision for the next seven days before I scroll on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, I'm going to get a little scripture in my life. What would that look like if you just did that, just that one thing? That, that before you pick up your phone to see what's going on in the world on the news or who's dating who or whatever it is on social media, what if you picked up your phone, got the verse of the day, did our seven-day prayer guide, and just spent a few moments before the, don't do it at night, do it in the morning because your day is gonna be chaotic. Wake up a few minutes early. You've got a lot of chaos that's getting ready to present itself for the day. Get close to the source. Get close to Jesus. Don't let him be on the other side of the door and say, Jesus, if you wanna be close to me, I wanna be close to you. Jesus, if you wanna say something to me, I wanna have ears to hear. And so for just a few minutes, I'm just gonna spend some time 
with you because I don't wanna be gross. I don't want you to vomit me out of your mouth. I don't want you to spit me away. I want to remain close to you. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your challenge to us. Thank you for your conviction to us. And so Lord, I'm praying that this message from you to this church in Laodicea would hit home in our life this week. That we would not be gross. That we would stay close to the source. Lord, in our society today, self-sufficiency is applauded. Pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. That, that, that is what America is all about. And Lord, that can so easily trickle into our relationship with you. And so Lord, I'm praying that we would be more like David than the church in Laodicea, that the Lord is my shepherd. And because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Not the, I've got lots of money and so I don't need a thing. Lord, we are, if we're honest, we are guilty of the sin of putting you on the other side of the door and leaving our lives without you. As Lord, I'm praying for our hearts to be turned towards you, that we would choose to repent of our self-sufficiency, our self-righteousness, and that we would let you in. And so grateful that you, when you're, when you're invited, you come in, not with anger and frustration, but with sometimes discipline and always with love and always with patience. Help us to grow and change and become more like you this week. It's in your name that we pray, amen.